Welcome to Day Zero Update for February 7th, 2021. I'm your host, Chris Ologi. I'm Brandon Perkins. And I'm Dan Victorio. And yeah, this was a wild week. Uh, some ridiculous stories, some big announcements. Uh, stuff you would not expect to be happening here first week of uh, February. Oh, yeah. But uh, hey, got to happen at some point, I guess. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we'll get to that stuff here in a little bit. But uh, let's talk about what we've been playing. I'll start off here. Uh, still continuing to play uh, Control Ultimate Edition. I am in I'm basically a, around where I left off last time on PS4. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm in the, the maintenance sector. Uh, heading towards some... Uh, I think I'm heading towards some of the ending parts of it where I'm, I think I'm turning... I wonder where I'm supposed to like turn off the lockdown, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this really got some of the the most fucked up enemies so far. Like the oh yeah, the upside down floating dudes that explode when you kill them. Mm-hmm. Uh, that can just fly up to you if you're not uh, careful. Oh yeah, first death uh, mm. to one of those things because I was just not paying any uh, attention. attention to them. And they have a tendency to kind of sneak up on you. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, when you get to their first area, they just send tons of them at you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when they blow up, they throw up enough smoke where you're like, okay, fuck, where's, where's the next guy? Uh, that kind of thing. Uh, that's where I had my one death. And that was while I had a, a little mission. It was like, oh, kill 50 enemies without dying. And I did start over on that again. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now I got the spin mode unlocked on that gun. So I'm trying that out now. Because uh, the big issue I had for those like board countermeasures, whatever they're called, mm-hmm. uh, is that three of them were tied to modes that I didn't have yet. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think there's a way to like refresh them, I think. Uh, so I had to kind of just deal with just getting two uh, at a time. So now I got... I full three now. They got a third uh, weapon uh, mode, so been good so far. Definitely, this version is the the best of the uh, the original uh, the console versions of this game. Uh, just purely just having that extra horsepower, and uh, with the dual sense, it does a really good job of uh, with the trigger stuff. Uh, has some nice haptic feedback so that the different weapons. Uh, different modes of your gun feel a little bit different. Uh, not too much, but just enough you can kind of tell, like, oh, yeah, I'm on the shatter or, you know, the grip uh, version. I think it's the main one. But, uh, yeah, it's it feels really nice. And the story stuff is uh, pretty good, creepy, weird, all that kind of stuff. Uh, I completely forgot when I got to the uh, the break room that has the flashing red light. Mm-hmm. Like, oh yeah, I remember the flashing red light, and I went and checked it out. I was like, "Ooh, box I can open!" and fell right through the floor. Like, fucking forgot about that again. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, there's still some nice surprises and all that there. So uh, looking forward to put some more time into that. Uh, streamed some Rocket League last night for my birthday stream. Uh, had some fun with that. Then ran into uh, an unfortunate person on my team that decided to. Uh, throw out the uh, N-word and Dirty Jew and all this kind of stuff. So I was like, whoa! 
I'd immediately report yeah. them, block them, so I didn't see anything else. And I, uh, near the end of the match, they scored, and I just put up a type of message in chat saying, uh, you know, boo, racist, you know, their name, uh, all that. And the other people were laughing in the chat, so that was good. I yeah. made sure I typed up uh, another message about them being racist, and I think it was like doing a GG at the end. It was like, no GG uh-huh. to the racist. So, and then left. Yeah. Uh, had some fun. Showed off the new gridiron mode that they have in that for this weekend, mm-hmm. uh, which is their version of like football. It's it's a very weird mode. Uh, uh, it would take a bit to explain it, but essentially, like the the ball sticks to your car when you have control of it, uh, but you have no boost. So you're kind of uh, the thing I found is if you're just essentially kind of uh, turning back and forth uh, smartly, you can kind of make everybody miss you. So I get a lot of goals that way. But if you, if you have control of it, when you run it into the, into the goal, you get seven points for your team. If you uh, lose track of it, throw it in or whatever. Uh, If you try to double jump, you essentially throw the ball. Uh, So if the ball goes into the goal uh, without being uh, in under control by somebody on your team, you get three points. And so that's how they get the like football scoring into it. Uh, so it's pretty neat. Uh, it's a casual mode, so people jump out uh, and in whatever. A few times when I try to get into matches, it was like, oh, it's 41 tens. Like, oh, this is not going to be fun. So I jumped out of those, try to get into a more fresh match. Uh, but still fun. Got a couple of missions done, so that was good. Uh, and then continuing to play Cyber Shadow. Now I'm in a very frustrating part of the the game. Uh, Brand, it's the one where you get the like the shooter ship that hangs out with you. Yeah, you can kind of aim, which took me a while to realize that you could aim it because I figured it was just auto locking on because I was playing with the D pad, mm-hmm. and so naturally you're hitting up and down, even though you it does nothing control wise in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just naturally hit it as I'm like trying to jump up or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but then you have these enemies that can shoot shots that are kind of sync to your level mm-hmm. or rise to it, whatever. And so they're like hiding on the other side of walls, like shooting at me. And it's like, if I try and go jump up and get around them, it's going to be a pain in the ass to yeah. get away from the shots. That's and what, par- that's, uh, that's what the parry attack is for. Yeah. But then I just figured out, uh, if I stay away from as much as possible, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, you take out these enemies that are up higher. The, and along while you're going through this whole level, there are uh, lasers uh, all around that are you're supposed to avoid. Mm-hmm. Or else the, the whole place goes into like lockdown. Yeah, and the turrets come out and that weird little buzzsaw robot starts flying around. Yeah. Yeah. But usually I just find uh, an exit to another room mm-hmm. and they all forget again. Yeah. <laughs> it's not it's not an in-depth stealth system, uh, especially when some of them just flicker on and off. It's like, well, if you were trying to actually have good uh, security, this is not how you would do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also having like dudes just shooting guns and all this kind of stuff, uh, not really a huge issue. But uh, yeah, I was just getting... A lot of trouble just trying to get through that little corridor there. 
because mm-hmm. uh, I just keep running into. It's usually just the dudes that are the little green robots that kind of shoot at you. Yeah, uh, just get hit one too many times on that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is pretty annoying, but uh, still liking it a lot. Uh, maybe next week we'll have like a full discussion about the game. Yeah, I, I think both of us will be either done or not close to being done with it. Uh, and it was weird to get to like a station to go to another stage midway through that area. Mm-hmm. I was like, wait, am I done? I was like, no. It was just like a central point. So maybe I'll be coming back after the level. Because mm-hmm. uh, some stages have a little bit of backtracking in them. Some don't. Mm, uh, a little. Yeah. Some be like, oh, you have to go back where you came from because there's now a path open up that you couldn't get through earlier. Mm-hmm. That kind of stuff. There was one I backtracked through because I didn't notice. I stupidly didn't notice the second door that opened up in the boss fight room. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, maybe I got to go back now. Realize, no, I'm just an idiot. So that's been pretty much it. How about you, Brandon? Uh, yeah, well, I am still playing Cyber Shadow as well. I'm actually getting uh, pretty close to the end now. In fact, I think I'm on the last chapter. Um, or the chapter before the last one. And yeah, the game gets exponentially difficult towards the end. Um, suddenly, you're really having to... Uh, really have to sort of trial and error experiment with the uh, dashing ability and using the um, downward attack to sort of bounce in between enemies Um, because if you bounce on them it lets you jump again from the momentum off of it Um, and towards the end there's parts where you've got like uh, you've encountered them already it's those uh, weird synthetic like purple tentacle enemies that kind of grow out of the background and shoot rings at you or whatever. Um, I think I've seen them with rings. They're just have yeah. their spikes if you're not able to get through the area fast enough. Yeah. Uh, you end up getting to like a whole series of them uh, ver- that go in a vertical pattern and essentially using the uh, downward attack to sort of bounce off of them to get to this platform that's much higher than you would be able to get to if you just did a normal double jump um and there's this like whole area that's literally like a vertical power thing uh where there's you know you having to use that thing off of those enemies and there's platforms and there are these uh jet engines that shoot out like really damaging uh fire exhaust that will take out like a quarter of your health bar. Yeah, it just it, it gets it gets pretty hard towards the end. But considering the fact that it's trying to eight ninja gaiden, that's to be expected. <laughs> um but uh overall I mean the game is God I, I do genuinely love the game. It's good. Um and I'm really excited to see where it goes from here. Um and other than that I'm also playing a Still playing Final Fantasy VII Remake, and I am at, uh, like I said last time, I'm at the wall market now, which, for those of you who played the original Final Fantasy VII, you know what that entails. That's the uh, part where, uh, put it quite frankly, uh, Tifa somehow ended up either getting sold off to Don Cronero, or she intentionally put herself in there as like a secret mission type thing or whatever and now you and Aerith have to go and help get her out and 
yeah, there's like this whole thing where you have to like go to this woman named Adam in who runs like a massage parlor, but it's obviously that kind of massage parlor. Um, and you have to get a bunch of money so that Adam M will give Aerith a makeover so that they can hopefully use her to get into Don Cornado so they can get Tifa. And so you have to go into this arena thing, go through these different matches. It's it's convoluted and it's really silly. But um, one of the things I really did not appreciate until this point in the game was, you know, it's been a long time since I've played the original Final Fantasy VII, and I decided to sort of download it recently and sort of play some of it. And one of the things that actually impresses me a lot about Final Fantasy VII Remake is they actually went through a lot of trouble of taking those original pre-rendered environments from the original game and giving them a three-dimensional makeover um almost to the last detail um everything from like the placement of like the objects to even like you know the way they function pretty amazing they really put a lot of work into it um but uh yeah that's pretty much what i've been playing so Darren, what about you since i've been on the show um this week I've been taking a little bit of a break, so it's really just uh, Madden and Animal Crossing and stuff like that. Um, yeah. However, like my 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 break was uh or my uh, little hiatus of um non gaming ended rather abruptly because uh, I received two codes for two RPGs. Mm-hmm. Uh, none of them are extremely long or anything, but um it, it just showed that oh yeah the break's over. So first off was a uh, Atelier Ryza two. Mm-hmm. Um, and this game is significant because uh, while we have an Atelier game every year, it's mm-hmm. really rare that we get a sequel. And that's just off the fact that Atelier Ryza is easily the most uh, best-selling um, Atelier game there was. Uh, it was mm-hmm. available on Switch, PS4, and um, PC. And um, yeah, I played that one, um, mm-hmm. but I didn't really dive into it too much just because I was annoyed by how the battle system worked and it didn't really do a good job of explaining... Uh, very much of anything, and the second one, mm-hmm. and the second one actually builds upon that uh, really greatly. Like one of the reasons why Atelier is a little bit more, uh, why people uh, give it more attention now is because they they made the battle system sort of a hybrid between action based and turn based, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of nuances in there that make it fun. Um, at its core, it's still a game that's all about like you know crafting in order to move forward, um, but this game does a good job of simplifying a lot of these systems and. Now that I know how to play it and I did beat that game, I kind of want to go back just because like the the characters in this game are pretty whimsical. Mm-hmm. Um, Ryza herself is uh, probably the thickest in the series, and uh, yeah. Um, also, like this game is um, the first JRPG on the PS5, so you know mm-hmm. it's it's a bit of an obscure one, but it's definitely uh, one that uh, fans should definitely take notice of, and it's also a pretty good like first experience in the Atelier series mm-hmm. if. Um, you haven't had that, uh, uh, haven't had that motion. Um, yeah. And next was East Nine Monstrum Knox. Um, yep. So the story of East Nine actually takes place after East Seven, but before East Eight. You know, because of reasons. Yeah, um, that's anyway, not confusing at all. Yeah, but the the, the good thing about the East series is that um, it's kind of like Zelda, where you can just play mm-hmm. any of them and not have to worry about any sort of continuity. Yeah. Um, eight. And and uh, nine did have some uh, callbacks to previous games, but they're really really subtle, so you don't really have to worry about that. 
And um, this one is the first one in a long time where Adol Kristen, the main character, and Dogie don't have to worry about being capsized on a boat. In fact, there is no boat in this game. Like, there are boats on the water, but you won't have to, like, uh, really worry about traveling in any of them. And, like, um, <clears throat> those who are into the series know that it also gets a lot of shit because of that. And yeah. um, Adol normally has, like, amnesia, which he doesn't really have in this game. So that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, it's like you played enough of those games and you think, you know, at this at some point, Adol would just realize, you know what, maybe I should just take the train instead. Exactly. So here they arrive in this um, uh, castle city called Balduke, and um, they're not allowed in. And then eventually uh, Adol gets arrested because of uh, basically every crime he's committed in, in, in every past East game. So he's, he's finally tried for all that. <laughs> and so the game begins in, 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 the, um, in the prison, and then you escape. And then all of a sudden uh, you run into this, uh, uh, this close character who pretty much just changes Adol's appearance into like mm-hmm. a punk rock Adol, if you will. And this gives him the ability to double jump. It also gives him the ability to uh, warp onto uh, very specific ledges. And this is really the what really sets East Nine apart from the rest of the series. Uh, you'll eventually find other characters to join your party um, who also have similar abilities, and mm-hmm. uh, they call themselves uh, the Monstrums. So um, it's kind of like the Phantom Thieves from like Persona Five. So like they're they're kind of like vigilantes that really should be in jail for whatever they're they're doing in the city. Uh, mm-hmm. But the thing is, they're kind of stuck with this curse because uh, since they're monsters, they can't actually leave. The whole city is barricaded, and the only way to get out of it is to uh, uh, play these things called uh, Grimwald Noxes, which are pretty much just um, uh, tower defense modes to just uh, protect the city. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, going back to like um, their abilities. So as I said, Adol has the ability to double jump. You uh, come across another character, and they call the black, uh, the white cat, who has the ability to run up walls. Uh, you have another character who can glide for short periods of time. Another character who can um, break walls. Another character who could like um, see the truth, kind of like the lens of truth. So you could see a bunch of like hidden items. And mm-hmm. all of this really makes um, the game just a whole lot more interesting. Like. Uh, RPGs uh, normally do a good job with exploration, yes, but this one definitely takes um, um, it takes a page out of like uh, games like Mario with platforming, and then games like uh, Spider-Man because of like you know the ability to like run up walls and just um, uh, go from rooftop to rooftop. And yeah. uh, this really makes the hub city uh, a whole lot more interesting to explore. That being yeah. said. Um, while I do think the game was essentially more fun than East 8, I did like East 8 better just because, you know, you had a whole island to explore. Whereas with East 9, you're exploring a city. And, you know, having just, uh, having still being in a, in a pandemic, you know, the idea of being enclosed in a certain city just doesn't vibe well with me. <laughs> and, you know, instead of seeing all these lush greeneries, you're seeing a whole bunch of gray and, and, and cement. And, like, that's just it's boring. Um, so, you know, um, I really hope that the next game uh, continues to have these new outside of battle abilities, but at the same time have a world that's, you know, worth exploring. Um, this, yeah. this is what made like a game like um, Super Mario Odyssey or Zelda so fascinating to me because every place is different. And yeah. um, it's weird because this game didn't have the normal RPG tropes of, you know, going to an Iceland or things like that. Now, there, there, there's lava place, but it was also very brief. So yeah, I hope to see um, 
uh, some more there. Um, but yeah, it's it, it's a good game. Uh, it kind of suffered on PS5. Uh, uh, the, the the game crashed more than ten times on me, and I've seen like some significant slowdown. And I heard that it's a similar case with the PS4 Pro. So uh, there's a um, I heard there was a, there was there was a day one patch which I didn't play. So um, I don't know how that goes. But if you're looking for a good action RPG. Um, the battle system has always remained great, and uh, I was able to uh, beat it on hard mode pretty handily. So yeah, mm. East Nine, Atelier, Rise of Two, these are both two good two, um, JRPGs you should definitely keep on your radar. Um, okay. But at the same time, like you know, the other the other games in the series might uh, prove to be a little better, but I did enjoy my time with both. Okay. So, yeah, that's been about it with me. All right. So yeah, let's get to some news here, and first we will talk about. Uh, the new games coming to PlayStation Now and Game Pass for this month. Uh, we got some new stuff here. And for uh, PlayStation Now, we'll start with, uh, let's see, they've got Call of Duty Black Ops 3 mm-hmm. going up for a Call of Duty game. That's uh, available until the end, near the end of April. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see, WWE 2K Battlegrounds. So if you don't want to put any time, any money into that game, mm-hmm. uh, there's a way to get that. That's available until August 2nd. Uh, I can tell the person here had not figured out how to type 2021 yet. Twenty twenty one, zero one there on the ends. Uh, get that out. Uh, Detroit Become Human is a permanent edition for the lineup. Uh, Darksiders Genesis is also on there for a permanent edition. Mm-hmm. Uh, Little Nightmares, which I did download the other day, I haven't started it yet. Uh, mm-hmm. This game I was kind of interested in. Uh, just had not pulled the trigger on it yet. And uh, Hotline Miami 2, wrong number, which is a mm-hmm. game I like a lot. Uh, similar to the original, but they have, like, uh, I think three or four different characters in it. A mm-hmm. uh, couple of which kind of control a bit differently. Uh, has some uh, neat story stuff, too. There's, like, one guy that kind of controls, like, a uh, like a Matrix or uh, some other, like, movie-style you know, puts his arms out, uh, uh, you know, to his left and right to shoot guns through hallways, that kind of stuff, doing a dual wielding, wielding type. So yeah, some neat stuff there. Uh, for Game Pass, let's see, they have Jurassic World Evolution come to console, mm-hmm. Stealth Inc. Two, a game of clones come to console. That's a good little puzzle platformer. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's Project Winter, which is console and PC. Uh, that is, uh, okay, it's it's like a survival game, but with uh, a lot of social deception to it. Kind of that kind of uh, game for eight-player eight multiplayer. Mm-hmm. So you get a group together for that. There's the Falconeer, which is coming to console and PC, uh, which is was the launch title, I think, for Xbox Series X. Yeah. So now that uh, Game Pass people can kind of check that out. Uh, Final Fantasy XII is on here. Uh, the Zodiac Age. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it's one of those games that had not come to Game Pass yet, as people were expecting, uh, because Microsoft said, like, oh, we're bringing all the Final Fantasy games that are coming to Xbox to Game Pass mm-hmm. as well. And there were still a few that had not done so yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that is on there. And uh, just for PC, Ghost of a Tale, uh, which is a neat little, like, action RPG game where you're playing as a mouse. Mm-hmm. It has a really nice art style to it. I have it on PC. I have not started it yet. So some nice stuff there for you to check out. Uh, 
another week, another Cyberpunk 2077 bit of news. Uh, we talked about last week they added mod tools for the game. Uh, and this week we found out, uh, yeah, there's a, a pretty significant security risk for it. Uh, I think they have it fixed by now. But uh, earlier in the week, uh, they had put out a warning saying that there's a vulnerability in the external DLL files the game uses, mm-hmm. which could be used to execute code on uh, remotely on other people's PCs. Mm. Uh, so now it's fixed, so you don't have to worry about that anymore. But yeah, it's uh, not a great start for the mod tools for them. Mm-hmm. But this is the little situation where they were freaking out about people uh, having sex scenes with uh, Keanu Reeves' character in the game, so mm-hmm. there you go for that. Nice. Uh, let's right. see, we got a couple of updates for games to make them run and look better on the new hardware. Mm-hmm. Uh, first one up here is God of War in 2018. Oh. Uh, updated so that the performance mode uh, what they're calling the enhanced performance experience now has 60 FPS, 4K checkerboard resolution, and 2160p support. So, uh, if you want the original performance experience, they have that still, so you can get the 4K but 30 FPS. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there you go. Uh, that is out now. Okay. Uh, along with that is the Division 2 yeah. update. It was a 30 FPS game on the consoles. Now supports 60 FPS at 4K. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so that should run and look a bit smoother. Mm. Uh, this talk a bit about here about the, the Resident Evil stuff that's in there now mm-hmm. uh, for their little tie-in event, uh, which I think right off the start you get some Chris Redfield pants and uh, other items. So mm. you look a bit more like Red Chris Redfield from, I think, RE2. Yeah, but you can also get like Leon's jacket from RE4 and some other stuff. I think you get all of the gear. You get like a mask that is the uh, Nemesis mask from RE2, or no RE3. It's like a weird looking mask that is a a neat little uh, cosmetic thing. So some neat stuff if you've got that game. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Let's. I have, I have not played that game before um i haven't played either of the divisions and yeah. i'm starting to wonder if i should give the division two a try because i've been people have been telling me the game's greatly improved since it originally went out and it's also yeah. relatively cheap to get now and apparently you can play uh the first eight hours for free now so uh yeah i believe so i think it's on sale right now i could double check that uh i can check i can look myself yeah i want to say on ps4 they definitely they might also have the bundle that has both games so you really don't need that Mm -hmm. uh yeah they got the gold edition for the first game for like 12 bucks or you can get Mm. 16 bucks and you get both yeah uh so definitely worth checking out either one Mm -hmm. uh they're both kind of similar experiences but the second one probably is a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the AI is pretty good for the the missions. They do a good job of flanking you and keeping you on your toes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, that's probably is worth checking out. Uh, let's see. Apex Legends was announced for Switch a while ago. 
think originally was people were expecting it last year, but it got pushed a bit. Uh, it's finally coming out March 9th. It's about a month yeah. from now. Uh, and they said that uh, because it's launching a few weeks after the start of Season 8, uh, Switch players will get 30 free levels for their Battle Pass for the season. Mm-hmm. And the first two weeks after launch, uh, get you double XP. Mm. I'm not sure if you can uh, log in with your accounts and keep your progression between platforms, but that might be worth checking out. I know they have at least cross-play, so you can play with friends mm. on other platforms. Uh, for that kind of stuff, so mm. so if people can keep an eye out for that, yeah, hopefully it uh, runs well. Mm-hmm. All right, all right. Here's a big announcement for the week. Uh, MLB The Show 21 is out February 20th or April 20th. Mm. Uh, it'll be out on all the Playstations and Xboxes. Mm-hmm. Uh, 60 bucks for the last gen consoles, 70 bucks for the new consoles. Mm. And yeah, has a full cross platform play and cross progression between the platforms. Mm-hmm. I think the only exception is uh, it would be like PS4 to Xbox Series X or S. Yeah. Xbox One to PS5. You cannot play mm-hmm. with those people. So it's. The new consoles against each other, the old consoles against each other, or PlayStation together or Xbox mm-hmm. together. Uh, that makes sense. Uh, but they come out big. The first uh, sports game that has cross-play uh, between the mm-hmm. platforms. Uh, first one with cross-progression. Stuff that EA and 2K have not done yet. So mm-hmm. uh, make a lot of good first impressions, at least with this stuff. Uh, and they say that they are showing off gameplay here in March, I think. Yep. Uh, they say they're going to be doing like six uh, streams to talk about the various features. It starts in March. So probably mm. the six weeks leading up to the launch, I would assume. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Definitely. Uh, um, people on Xbox get their yeah, first shot at a realistic baseball game. Mm-hmm. For the first time in like seven or eight years yeah um what were we gonna say brandon oh nothing i was uh looking at something else <laughs> okay um i was gonna say though uh we talked about the uh, apex legends right yeah oh yeah just gonna say uh that game is absolutely worth playing it's it's a lot of fun it is it's Arguably, as far as like battle royale games that exist right now, uh, I personally think Apex Legends is at the top. It's better it's than probably Fortnite. the one that most influenced Fortnite, mm-hmm. which tells you that must be doing a lot of things right. Yeah, still like um, the, the respawn system, the the way you tag uh, places yep. and enemies and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Plus, to be completely honest, Apex Legends characters have a lot of personality, so. Yeah, just it's it's a superior game, far as I'm concerned. Yep. Yeah, hopefully it's it it sees some uh, success on Switch. I mean, uh, Fortnite's doing really really well on it, so hopefully Apex can uh, get the same thing, and uh, it'll actually make EA want to make make a game for Switch. Who knows? And then moving yeah. over to um, MLB the Show, um, 
RBI baseball is actually fairly realistic, but yeah, that game sucks. So it's 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 a good thing <laughs> the show is going multi-platform with them there. Yeah. Um, I am surprised to to see that it's uh, not being on Switch even in a in a lesser form because I remember when they made the announcement, Nintendo retweeted it. Mm-hmm. That kind of sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Apex Legends is. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Apex Legends is the reason that. EA basically stepped away and let Respawn did what they do with uh, with uh, their Star Wars game. Because that game seriously saved EA's ass. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, as for the, the Switch version of MLB The Show, I think COVID probably got in the way of that stuff. Yeah, probably. Uh, I assume Switch and PC are probably something they might do next year. Uh, but for right now, I probably wanted to focus on uh, the two easiest platforms to get out on for mm-hmm. what they're working on. Uh, so yeah, that is uh, that is that. Let's see. Oh yeah, Judgment, uh, the kind of uh, spinoff of the Yakuza games, featuring mm-hmm. a new protagonist and kind of a different focus in terms of uh, what you're doing with the character. Uh, yeah, bringing that to the new consoles. As well as mm-hmm. Google Stadia on April twenty third. Yeah. Uh, and what you might have wanted to happen is to get like a free upgrade and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Sega mm. said, "Yeah, we're not doing that." Mm. Uh, it'll be priced at forty bucks on those new platforms. So, uh, luckily, you're not going to have to spend sixty bucks for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, luckily, I have not bought it yet, so I'll maybe go for that version instead. So we'll see yeah, how that goes. Disappointing, but uh, I'm not I'm not that crazy about it because I actually got the game for twenty bucks like maybe a year ago. But I also mm-hmm. haven't popped it in yet, so that's a bit disappointing. But fun fact: uh, the main character in Judgment, his voice actor is the exact same voice actor as Ichiban Kasuga, the main character, <laughs> Yakuza yeah. Dragon. So I'm wondering, like, if I when I do play it, I wonder if I'll be confused. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Yeah, so that's something to look forward to here in uh, about two and a half months. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the last date we have here is the Mass Effect Legendary Edition. Finally has a date. It's May 14th. Uh, it is the cover story for Game Informer this month, so if you want to learn a lot of a lot of information about that game, what they're doing to upgrade it and all that, you can definitely do that. Uh, I grabbed a couple of things here, just kind of the some of the highlights of... Uh, what is in there? What isn't? Uh, mm-hmm. The uh, the multiplayer from Mass Effect Three is not going to be in the game, mm. so they kind of want yeah. to focus more on the, the single story player stuff. stuff. Yeah. yeah. Also, the uh, Pinnacle Station DLC from the first Mass Effect game is not going to be there. Um, yeah. Which, the... to be honest, that that DLC was a lot of fun, but honestly, they could do away with it without any issue because it doesn't really affect the story at all. Yeah, the reason why it's not in there is pretty interesting. So that that DLC was made by an external uh, developer named, let me see if I can find it here, Demiurge. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're kind of a for-hire studio. They can yeah. help out working on a lot of stuff. And so this was when Bioware was uh, on their own, working with Microsoft mm-hmm. on this game. Worked on a couple pieces of DLC for the the first game, and uh, I think Pinnacle Station was the second. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they worked on that game, and 
Uh, Bioware spent a lot of time trying to figure out uh, where uh, where the the source code was. Talked to Demiurge. Uh, found uh, they sent over their uh, backup hard drives with the code on it, and found like the vast majority of stuff that was on there was all uh, aired out. Basically, nothing worked. Yeah, uh, considering the uh, age of the code, that doesn't actually surprise me. Yeah, it would have been like 12 years ago, something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, hard drives don't necessarily keep all that well. Yeah. Uh, especially when you're a studio that works on a ton of different things. Uh, they're probably not having anybody checking that thing, mm-hmm. checking their their backlog stuff, uh, make sure it's all working. Yeah. Uh, and so, so basically, Bioware decided, you know, instead of just recreating that stuff wholesale, they just said, you know, it's game doesn't really, you know, it didn't really affect the game story all that much. We can just, yeah, yeah it's that was sort of the reason they did that they didn't have the the source code for is why that wasn't in the PS3 trilogy mm-hmm. uh, collection. Yeah, uh, but yeah, that was just kind of a a weird little thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, leading to that not being a part of it, but they do have, I think, over forty pieces of DLC, uh, all the other story bits, as well as the the pre-order packs and all that kind of stuff. Because they would add some things mm-hmm. over time, like here's you know a couple of items or uh, some new outfits, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've done a a pass on the graphics overall, made it look yeah. a, a bit nicer. Uh, better lighting, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, they basically uh, took like all the character model uh, from basically for all the character models from Mass Effect Three and sort of used them to sort of replace the character models from the first Mass Effect because yeah. the first Mass Effect character models, you compare them to two and three, they look very wonky. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, the let's see for Mass Effect One, they fixed the loading for the. Uh, the elevators, yeah. So that it doesn't take like a minute mm-hmm. to load as the characters just stay in there. Yeah, uh, I think they still have the the dialogue that happens there, story relevant. Oh yeah, uh, news bits. Just it'll be like fifteen seconds instead of an uh, a full minute mm-hmm. of waiting. Uh, that's only one of those games where it's like, oh yeah, this is next gen. Just sit in elevators because it can't load fast enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, like improved cover for combat. Uh, yeah, they rebalanced the weapons, removed the class restrictions, mm-hmm. uh, better camera angles, sound design, uh, all that kind of stuff. And yeah, ME One is one of the, it's probably the roughest of all three. Yeah, it's their first attempt at this stuff. Uh, the combats. I don't know if the inventory system's been improved at all, but hopefully that's the case. Oh, hope I do. That's, I hope it is. <laughs> managing that stuff is uh, quite a chore. I know for Mass mm-hmm. Effect 2, uh, if you remember when you went down to uh, Miranda's mm-hmm. uh, area to talk to her, oftentimes mm-hmm. you get into little conversations with her and it just, uh, the camera just zooms to her butt. Yeah. Uh, they've cut out a lot of those instances. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a lot of, not all of them, but most of them. Yeah. Most of them went and you're like talking about her sister. It's like, whatever. Oh, it's, shot. it's like, yeah, no. Why is this a thing? Yeah. How did this get past everybody? Uh, we just got the nerds online mad claiming yeah. censorship. She's like, 
No. No. No, it's called doing justice to your characters. Yeah. If you want to look at her ass, put her on your mission every single there's time. Pl- trust me, if you're looking for sex appeal, there's plenty of source filmmaker animators who can fill that niche for you. Yep. Just FYI. <laughs> yeah, it seems like it should run 60 FPS on all the consoles and PC. Mm-hmm. Uh, full resolution audio, rebounced all the audio, all that kind of stuff. Improved on PC, so it looks a lot better. Because the PC versions are also a bit janky and all that, because they, mm-hmm. you know, trying to take like a console experience and somehow make it worth work with uh, mouse and keyboard, just didn't quite get there on those games. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially the experience of buying the DLC, uh, also not great when you had to buy Bioware points yeah. for all that stuff, and they never really went on sale like they would on the other consoles. So nope. Yeah, you get all the. The packs and promo packs and all that kind of stuff. So, mm-hmm. yep, that's kind of a, a quick overview. If you want to learn more, check out the Game Informer uh, hub for all their stories. They got yep. a bunch of them if you want to learn more about the game. But so anyway, it should be a pretty good, uh, pretty good collection. Mm. Uh, what isn't doesn't seem to be coming together as a good uh, remake of a classic game, Prince of Persia: The Sands of Time. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just announced uh, earlier this week that they are delaying the game, keep mm-hmm. working on it some more, uh, and have no specific date. So uh, at least being smart not to pin themselves to a date. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it's just delayed indefinitely until whenever they're actually done. Yeah. Yeah. Un- unlike um, unlike Mass Effect, this is a game I actually uh, particularly particularly care about. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, we, we don't, we don't know what's going on, but I mean, you guys saw the first footage of it. It didn't even look all, look all that great, even for the PS4. So mm-hmm. hopefully, uh, it's, it, it, it's more than just visual stuff. And, um, for me, I'm, I'm particularly hoping that we see it on PS5 and Xbox series X, because like at this point, yeah, I know that we have all these PS4s and Xbox ones in the wild, but a lot of people have PS5s too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that's going to be coming out at some point, hopefully later this year mm-hmm. doesn't get delayed too long but uh speaking of stuff you may have to wait a while for uh activision blizzard had their earnings call earlier this week uh talking about various things uh, how much money they're making from call of duty uh but uh they also revealed that overwatch 2 and diablo 4 are not going to be coming out this year which uh, honestly doesn't surprise me yeah, Diablo 4, I don't think anybody was really expecting it to be this year. Yeah. Because uh, they were still kind of early stages of uh, showing stuff off. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Overwatch 2 just kind of disappeared uh, after the original announcements to a point where you're like, well, maybe they've just been buckling down on this and kind of working on it. Maybe it'll be out sooner than mm-hmm. we think. Yeah, I mean, I would, um, I would kind of argue that Diablo 4 should be a little closer down the line just because it's been so long since, since Diablo three mm-hmm. and in regards to overwatch two, like, you know, uh, yeah, the game's a little older, but it's, it's, I mean, it's still, it still came out like fairly recently and, uh, the game is still updated uh, to the utmost uh, respect to uh, blizzard and Activision. So, um, not to mention, like they've mentioned that overwatch two will have a single player mode, which would be huge. So I don't expect that for a while. And um, either way you look at it, Activision Blizzard takes a while to develop a game in the first place. Yeah. Yeah, and they got two big games coming out at some point, but 
definitely not this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you'll just have to deal with more events in Overwatch. I also wonder um, if the recent uh, swallowing of Vicarious Visions will end up showing up with these two games too. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Another rumor to be working on a Diablo 2 remake. Yeah. So maybe that'll tie into Diablo 4 at some point. Maybe. Um, but yeah, that's... Uh, we really like to do a lot of that stuff. Like if you played one of the games, you'll knock items in other games. That mm-hmm. kind of stuff. So that could be a thing. But... uh Let's see. Activision is uh, getting influenced by a lot of stuff here. Seems like yeah. they have uh, uh, somebody claiming that uh, one of their characters in Modern Warfare uh, might not have been a- an original character. Yeah, so I'm the one who put the story in, and I've been kind of obsessing over it over the last few days because it's one of those stories that's like weirdly convoluted, and I'll try and sort of keep it simple, but okay. So, uh, Call of Duty Modern Warfare, the one that came out in 2019. Uh, any of you guys play that one? Yeah, I played the Warzone part of it. Okay. My last one was Black Ops 2, so no. Yeah, okay. Uh, so you know how Call of, how uh, the, the most recent Modern Warfare, it added a, what is essentially a Battle Royale mode, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Okay, and so in that Battle Royale mode, there is one character you can choose that's named Mara, who is like a Venezuelan chick, and, you know, anyway, she's, uh, you know, she's basically like a, uh, you know, regular sort of merc-type character, and she, her whole visual was based on a streamer and a firearms enthusiast by the name of Alex Zedra. Um, now, here's the thing. There's this dude named Clayton Haugen. And back in 2012, he did a Kickstarter for a film pitch called November Renaissance. And part of the big part of that film pitch was this character he created called Kate Janis. Um, which is a character in her whole story and sort of scenario he copyrighted kind of years ago. Uh, and among in that copyright, there's stuff like uh, two unpublished novels, I believe, that he's written, as well as the original screenplay and treatment. Um, and roughly a few years ago, he actually managed to get the very same model, Alexandra, uh, to model for him to sort of show off the whole design and sort of character for for this particular character. Uh, And, you know, he took a bunch of photos, and a lot of his stuff is actually on Instagram, for anybody who's curious, uh, which is, I actually looked at, dude's actually pretty legit. Um, Dude's got talent. So this isn't like a case of like some random nobody trying to get a piece of the action. This is the dude who's actually got talent. But um, what he's alleging is that after he put all this stuff together, um, Activision decided that, you know, they were going to, you know, add the uh, Warzone aspect to Modern Warfare, which, of course, again, the Battle Royale mode. And he's alleging that what happened was that... um, in order to create this character Mara, somebody at Activision not only hired Alexander specifically uh, to sort of re um, to sort of like 
I guess, um, copy the whole look, but they even asked her to, like, get a hold of as many of the old uh, costuming materials and props that she could to try and get the same makeup as it was used exactly for those Kay Janice photographs. I actually directed her to style her hair exactly as she did for it. And then they then photographed and three-dimensionally scanned the talent using uh, his original photographs as a guide. And you can actually look at the entirety of his lawsuit on uh, Torrent Freak's website, um, which is also linked to in the Kotaku story that we uh, have on um, the website. And the thing is, he's actually, what's really interesting is there's at least a couple of instances here where it is very clear that they not only copied some of his photographs, they actually just straight took at least one of his photographs and just photoshopped some additional elements onto it. So if he can, if he can uh, prove that Activision like actually did actively uh, copy his work, he's definitely got a good case on his hands. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's uh, the reason he says that, um, you know, the reason that we haven't heard about this from Zedra or any of the town who worked on it is because he believes that Activision made them sign some non-disclosure agreements uh, so that they, you know, wouldn't be allowed to tell, wouldn't be able to talk about it. So, yeah, um, if you want to, like, go into more detail, just read the story I've got linked, we got linked, and also the... Uh, which again also links to the report from Torrent Freak. It's uh, fascinating stuff. Yeah. Yep. So that's yeah, a, a weird story. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's get something that's also pretty weird. Uh, Lady Dimitrescu uh, from Resident Evil Village. People yeah. are super horny for her on the internet. Leather, understandably. That kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, so. The people at Capcom kind of leaned into that and um, put out a message, you know, thanking people for their uh, support, especially for that character. Uh, mm-hmm. And revealed that, uh, let's see, if you include her hat and high heels, she's 2.9 meters or approximately nine foot uh, six inches tall. Yeah. So that people can get their uh, kinks with tall women uh, appropriately. Yeah. So. Yeah, you know, use that information how you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they seem to be quite happy that people are uh, interested in at least that part of their game. Well, she became a meme. And let's yeah. be honest, there is no better advertisement for uh, your product when one of its main components becomes a meme in and of itself. So, <laughs> yeah. That's the kind of advertisement that you can't buy. <laughs> yep. Plus, she's really easy to cosplay, too. So that also helps. Yeah. Yep. So. Uh, let's see. Oh, yeah. So Sony has uh, released their financials for uh, the last quarter of 2020. Mm-hmm. Uh, and revealed that they have sold 4.5 million PlayStation 5s. Not that I would know anything about that. Yeah. Still, I can't like I said, hold a one. PS5s. 
Granted, you know, mm. a bunch of them have been uh, sold off in the second market, but they're still being sold. Yeah. Uh, they do mention that it's likely not to uh, lead to any sort of increase in production because there is sort of a shortage of semiconductors and other components right now. Yeah, uh, especially with the... Um... It's also affecting the like, uh, NVIDIA cards, mm-hmm. the 3080 and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Everybody wanting shiny new tech is kind of being hampered by this stuff. Yeah, COVID in particular and... Yeah. yeah. Again, the lith- there's a lithium shortage, which is also kind of a kind of an issue. Um, yeah. So yeah, they uh, let's see, their uh, game and network services uh, saw sales jump forty percent mm-hmm. year on year, which is a huge increase because people are stuck at home and buying stuff for their games. Uh, mm-hmm. And they sold even more games. So mm-hmm. sold one hundred and three point seven million games. Yeah, which eighteen point four is Sony's games. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, that is uh, as the update on that. They're expecting to sell over seven point six million PlayStation fives by March thirty first. Mm-hmm. So yeah, not really expecting an increase uh, of much for that. So we'll see how that goes. Maybe it'll be uh, things will change and they'll get a bit more out there mm-hmm. than they expect. But uh, yeah, that's it for the for time being. Mm-hmm. Okay, so yeah, if you know Kaloon Knights, they're kind of a publisher funding partner for indie devs. Yep. Uh, and they announced that they had signed deals with 23 new titles mm-hmm. uh, across a variety of developers out there, some of which you might have known, uh, some of which you might not. Let's see, it was like Battery Staple here who made 20XX, the mm-hmm. the roguelike uh, Mega Man game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so their pr- current project is 30XX, the sequel to that. So uh, that's one of the games. Uh, I'm trying to look with some of these others here. There is, oh yeah, Kaizen Gameworks, uh, the makers of Paradise Killer. So they're working on something new as a result. Uh, there is Night School Studio, makers of Oxen Free and After Party. So they're working on their new game as a result. Uh, there is one I saw that was uh, pretty weird here. Uh, sea of Stars from a Sabotage Studio. You might know them from their previous title, The Messenger. Uh, they are working on this new game, Sea of Stars, which is a tra- turn-based RPG set in the same universe as The Messenger. It's kind of a bit weird, but uh, Thunder Lotus has a new game, the makers of mm-hmm. Spirit Fear- Fairer. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's Garden Story... Uh, from Rose City Games and Picogram. Uh, Roll 7's on here, the makers of Oli Oli and Laser League. They're working on their first collaboration. Uh, yeah, not really too much in the way of details on some of this stuff, but you may know some of the devs that are involved in some of these games based on their previous works. So mm-hmm. a lot of stuff to keep an eye on. Frozen Bites even on here for their next game, which is a Starbase, a space-themed MMO Focus on building and designing spaceships and stations and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. So yeah, a lot of stuff here. A lot of uh, indie devs getting the funding they need to work on uh, some new stuff. So that's good. Uh, and speaking of companies that needed money, uh, Gearbox Studios mm-hmm. uh, has been acquired by the Embracer Group. Uh, yeah. Which uh, is a $1.3 billion deal. 
Mm. Uh, I think much of that is stock based stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, they're going to become like an, uh, an independent entity under Embracer, like THQ Nordic and some of those other groups. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they'll be able to keep operating as they are. Randy Pitchford is still involved. Going to keep running the studio. Unfortunately. Uh, it was kind of a perfect pairing of uh, groups that people don't like <laughs> for various reasons. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's kind of a, a thing there. I don't know if they're going to still keep their Gearbox publishing stuff going on, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I think also part of, they announced a few different acquisitions. Aspire is one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, who did the uh, ports of the Star Wars games most recently, mm-hmm. uh, the Jedi Knight games, and I think Episode 1 Podracer. Yeah. So that group is now under uh, Embracer's control as well. I think they're being put under the, I forget which group it is, uh, one of the groups that does a lot of porting, but mm-hmm. yeah, they're continuing to get bigger. Pushing a lot, a lot of big change there. Yep. Uh, let's get to one of the biggest stories of the week. Yeah. EA Sports revealing that they are working on a new college football game for the first time since 2014. Yeah, after they lost the NCAA license. Well, they kind of let it lapse because there's all this uh, shit going on with the NCAA mm-hmm. as far as them kind of giving out licensing for players that they didn't really have the licensing to. Yeah. Uh, in a sense. And so EA just said, yeah, we're done with this. Cause we don't want to be a part of this anymore. Mm-hmm. And so conveniently it's called EA sports college football. Probably notice a certain group that is not involved in the licensing on this, <laughs> the NCAA. Yeah. Uh, because they have done a deal straight up with the CLC, the Collegiate Licensing Company or Corporation or whatever, but uh, that's the one that does most of the uh, licensing for various colleges, for sports mm-hmm. purposes, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, they have most of the schools. You can find a list of all the, the clients they have, but like the Big Ten's not in it. I think Georgia's not in it, a couple of, a bunch of other schools, but yeah, you can mm-hmm. easily uh, do work with them, deals with them, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think the other big thing here is that it's not going to be coming out for a few years. It'll be on these new consoles. And they are not going to have at least any sort of licensing uh, for the players yet. That stuff is still in uh, the courts. I think potentially mm-hmm. the, the Supreme Court's going to be hearing the case about whether college football athletes or college athletes in general can get mm-hmm. paid for their likeness rights uh, yeah. by the summer. So even that stuff is still a ways away as well as like, even if they were granted that, you know, there would have to be a union formed with the players and getting all the, the business stuff and all that uh, settled before, you know, EA could do any sort of uh, licensing agreement like mm-hmm. they do with the, NHL, uh, NFL, and other groups they work with, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So that all still seems to be a ways away for that. But it's kind of exciting to see them 
uh, returning to this uh, sport that they have were kind of forced out of uh, last generation, mm-hmm. the, two generations ago, technically. Yeah. Yeah, this is actually huge news. Um, obviously, the NCAA, for the most part, is a shitty organization. But yeah, um, uh, Chris actually has more experience in the series mm-hmm. than I do, but I definitely enjoyed the last NCAA uh, football release. And it was really a game that um, mm-hmm. uh, that EA Sports really did, did a good job iterating off every year, especially compared to Madden. I feel like they used NCAA as a way to go ahead and introduce things to Madden to see if they would work. And for the most part, that formula worked out. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, um, I'm, I'm excited for this. Yeah, the NCAA games oh. were where online uh, franchises were introduced. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, originally, before they kind of nailed what it was going to be, Madden just had you, well, here's with 32 other people, and you play the other 31 people. And it's like, why aren't you just playing a season schedule? Uh they hadn't figured yeah. that out. Uh, they even had a web interface where you could, you know, send messages to other people, create stories around your games, uh, all that kind of stuff, which mm-hmm. Ben eventually figured out how to do. Uh, the ability to send rosters around, people would, you know, work on the rosters, add the real names, change likenesses, and all that. Uh, they've said that they're mm-hmm. going to have, uh, like, randomized uh, numbers and names and all that kind of stuff they'll probably still have just the the number as the name uh just like qb number 13 instead of whatever but uh so there will be no issues with likeness uh rights because it's all just going to be randomized but i hope that they do allow people to do their own roster uh stuff and share them with others so yeah it's going to be exciting but it's still going to be a ways off so who knows when that's going to happen. Uh, speaking of things that uh, actually people expected, Google Stadia, uh, they announced that they are ending their first-party game development, uh, closing two of those studios. Uh, they have not announced that they're laying off the people yet, so I think they're trying to figure out uh, ways to get them uh, new roles in uh within the company, maybe Google themselves, but I think the only person so far that's been confirmed to be leaving is uh, Jade Raymond. So she was the head of this group is now being shut down. So she'll have to find something somewhere else to work at and she should easily be able to find a new job. Uh, But yeah, it sucks for all the people that were working on those games. Uh, it seems like any of the games that might have been closer to releasing may be allowed to be finished. But uh, anything that was farther off is seemingly officially canceled. So yeah, this kind of just shows that uh, like Google and Amazon have not really gotten to the point of fully investing in game development uh, internally. Uh, especially for this kind of service where they should have done that well before they uh, we're launching Google Stadia versus just when they were announcing it, they were forming those studios. Because uh, it takes more than a year to put out a big game that takes advantage of your cloud platform. Uh, yeah, Phil, Har- Phil Harrison put out a big statement saying they're still committed to Stadia, but now it's just going to be focused around uh, third-party games. Uh, 
yeah, we mentioned like judgments coming to Stadia here pretty soon. Uh, maybe finding ways to uh, allow third parties to use their cloud platform tech for their own uh, needs, that kind of stuff. Uh, so yeah, we'll see how this goes. But yeah, it's uh, not great that they ultimately did the thing that most people expected, that they weren't going to be able to tough it out. Uh, yeah, so let's get to the last story here. Uh, kind of a wild story that uh, there was a remake of GoldenEye 007 that was being worked on for XBLA. Seemed to mostly get finished uh, because a long play appeared on YouTube uh, pretty recently, past couple weeks, and seems like the uh, the ROM that was being used to play that has also leaked out, so you can kind of grab it, uh, play it. Uh, I think the person did the long play was doing it through an emulator called Xenia. It's like that. It's like an Xbox 360 emulator. Uh, so you can kind of check it out yourself if you want. Uh, it's got you know improved uh, resolution, textures, all that kind of stuff to make it look uh, a bit more modern, at least for the time it was being made, which seems like it was about 2007. Uh, yeah, being made by Rare. And yeah, it seems like... Uh, just as they were coming near the end, the uh, stakeholders in uh, the various rights kind of came together and said, yeah, no, we can't actually allow this to release. And it seems like EON, who owns the rights to 007, Microsoft, Nintendo, could agree on terms. It worked for all parties, which is kind of wild that they worked on this game almost to the point of completion and had not figured out the rights tied to it. Uh, which is usually not how that works when you're making licensed games. So, yeah. Uh, Either you got anything to say about this? Yeah, I'm just surprised that they got that far along with the game, like almost to the point where the product was almost complete, and then they're like, yeah, uh, no, screw it. Just uh, brush it under the rug, pretend it never happened. Yeah. Like, what the hell? I know random stuff would pop up on PartnerNet, which was kind of the uh, the developer network that they had to put up like uh, work in progress versions of their games to mm-hmm. see how uh, how it was coming along, get some feedback, that kind of stuff. Yeah, uh, which uh, you know, writers that had access to 360 dev kits would be able to see some of this stuff and be like, mm-hmm. "Oh, what the fuck is this? This is some." you know, remake of a game that people wanted, uh, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. So that's where some leaks came from, which is uh, people having access to that stuff that maybe shouldn't have. Mm-hmm. Uh, there'd be like games on there like, oh, this was never announced. This never came out. How did this even become yeah. a thing? But uh, this is one of those kind of wild. Mm-hmm. And it's make, uh, the thing is, like, I was wondering, like, if this was a remake, did they go back and like, redo the the control scheme and everything because yeah it's uh, dual stick controls now yeah because the original the man that 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 original the original golden eye has not aged well like at all (laughs) yeah i want to say the only way you could have dual stick there might have only been in perfect dark where you had to plug in two controllers Mm -hmm. to play it uh which is a ridiculous way to play a game Oh yeah, uh, but some of those games did that. I think 
even Atari games occasionally would be like, oh, you can play a dual stick like the arcade game, but you had to plug in two controllers. Mm-hmm. Uh, that kind of stuff. But I think it also has uh, a similar toggle option at the, was it the the remaster of that first Halo game? Mm-hmm. Had where you could toggle it on and off, see like, oh, this is this game looks pretty nice. See like what the yeah. old one looked like. It's like, holy shit. Mm-hmm. It's just muddy ass textures all over the place. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if the frame rate would be worse because uh, I remember watching Giant Bomb play there and be like, Jesus Christ, this game looks terrible. Mm-hmm. It's not aged well at all. Uh, and that game is remarkable because it was kind of the, the first big uh, first person shooter on the consoles. Mm-hmm. Uh, that and Perfect Dark kind of set a standard that then Halo threw in the trash and did its own thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the dual stick controller showing like this is what first person shooters can be uh, with a controller mm-hmm. and set the stage for what all we have now mm-hmm. all right so yeah that is uh that is this week's uh slate of news quite a lot of stuff mm-hmm. here mm-hmm. uh we'll be back next week with uh a new batch of stuff to talk about mm-hmm. uh but for Brandon Perkins and Danry Victoria, I'm your host, Chris Logie. We will see you next week and have a good yep. one.